Welcome to another episode of Dads with Nerdy Ambitions. This episode's a special episode. This is the uh, May the 4th Be With You episode. May the 4th, uh, a special Star Wars holiday. One of two? Is there? I think there's only two. May the 4th and Revenge of the 5th. Uh, gentlemen, is there another one before I get into it? <laughs> I've seen Revenge of the 6th as well. but Revenge of the 6th? Yeah. I always thought it was just Revenge of the 5th. Depends on how many days you want to celebrate. Oh, exactly. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I have David with me again. And uh, hello, thank you for here. having me. Yeah, and uh, Mark is back. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Thank you for asking me back. Yeah, no problem. Not a problem at all. Uh, before we get into it, I need to announce the sponsor of today's episode. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Eldridge Foundry, the go to custom miniature creator. Go on today and make your legendary character and use the code DNA15 to get 15% off your next order. So, gentlemen. What have you been up to on the, the nerdy side? Well, I could ask David, but David, you've only been, it's been like, what, a week since our last episode, two weeks maybe? Something but, like that. Yeah. And so I, I can't imagine you weren't up to too much nerdiness since then. Not since then, no. <laughs> Mark, it has been, it's been a little bit. We, last time we had you, we just wrapped up uh, The Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Uh, what have you been up to, good sir? Oh, God. Uh, so that was what? December last year, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff's been going on. Um, got vaccinated, so that was great. Uh, not that that's that particularly nerdy, but I think it's worth mentioning. It is definitely worth mentioning. Uh, I've been playing a lot of D and D, finding a lot of resources online to to do that from afar, which has been nice. Uh, it, it had been a while, and it's been nice to get back into it. Uh, what else have I been doing? Uh, watched the the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And gearing up for, as released today, uh, the Bad Batch series. Yeah, no, I'm very much excited to watch that. Uh, I, I I can't wait. And um, what were your thoughts on uh, Falcon Winter Soldier? I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it was a good. It was a good expansion of the characters. It was a, definitely a good expansion into the deeper Marvel verse. Uh, I am not at all a huge comic book person I I, uh, I I don't read a lot of comic books it's it's an expensive hobby to keep up with uh and i've already got enough of those uh but from from looking into like the one thing i, I one thing i enjoy doing with the with the marvel verse uh the marvel cinematic universe at least is like all the little characters that they introduce because they all have a significance which i think is something marvel does really well uh, is going in and then reading like the the Wikipedia articles about that character or whatever the Marvel equivalent of Wikipedia Wikipedia is. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just you know, kind of going in and, and finding all the little, taking those little guys and, and and just reading more about them and then seeing how they're used in in the in the wider universe and stuff. Uh, I think Ju- Julie Louise Dreyfus's character, who name I cannot remember off the top of my head, uh, I think that's going to be an interesting one to see where they go with it. Uh, seeing uh, the U.S. agent happen, which something I had no idea was a thing until it started with with uh, with the show. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting thing, especially considering all the stuff going on right now and in the last year. Yeah, no. It, it, even though they didn't time it to be this, it's it's pretty impressive. Like the, the relatability there mm-hmm. is to the show, to what the real world was. And it's almost a little bit like, Ooh, 
but it, they did it very i think we were talking about it and that's actually what uh last episode david was on is we were sitting there talking about it and we thought it they did it very cleanly they did mm-hmm. it very they well did. it was it wasn't anything that it shouldn't have been and it, they didn't go above and beyond or over dramatize or they just did it well yes they did um so this is May the 4th, so we are all about celebrating Star Wars today. This is the light side, if we consider tomorrow the dark side. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see, because I, I, I didn't time this. I, I didn't associate this well, and I've got some lovely ladies on that are going to be on tomorrow. And so I don't want to say the, the women are the dark side of the force. <laughs> and that's just going to, that's just, a, that's not going to bode well for me, let alone my wife. She's going to just give me dirty looks. Um, so I do have some questions for you gentlemen, and we'll see how well we can answer them. Um, and then afterwards, I want to kind of talk to you about some, your, some special moments in star Wars for you guys. Like uh, actually David worded it the best, like, that moment that got you into Star Wars, that what was your pinnacle mm-hmm. moment? And I mean, I know mine right at the top of the head. As soon as he said that, I, I've got it in my head. But we'll we'll get to those in a little bit. Um, so I wanted to start off with these questions. Uh, so the first question that I have is, let's go here and let's look at this. In the original, four, five, and six, the... The Force Ghost of Darth Vader, a.k.a. Anakin Skywalker, was an elderly gentleman. It was the original actor. Sebastian Shaw. Yes. Now, when they re-released it, they changed it to young Anakin Skywalker. I, I We kind of have the idea why they would do it. I mean, there's a realistic answer, but is there a lore logic reason behind it that they that would have changed as well? Or is it just, you know, money? I mean, I imagine, I mean, David, I don't know if you want to take this or not. I mean, go go for both of it, if you guys have okay. a different opinion. Uh, I've always seen it as kind of symbolic. It was the last time that Anakin was himself okay. and whole and wholly in the light side uh, was, 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 was when he was, 22, 23 years old, whatever the, I think it was what, 20, yeah, 23 years old. Um, and, and so he was, he was himself in, in that, in that, um, as the force goes. That being said, I can also very much see an argument of, well, in his final moments, he turned back to the light side. So shouldn't he look like the, the emaciated bone white David Prowse, <laughs> but, or whoever it is that plays that it was, no, it's not David Prowse, uh, whoever it is, uh, so yeah, so so there, so that that's that's always been my head canon is that it's it's Anakin looking as he did the last time that he was fully in the, on the light side. I, I think that's the official lore reason too, is that that Anakin Skywalker becomes the Force Ghost, and the the previous body, you know, up at that moment in Revenge of the Sith when when Anakin goes to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader when he's christened Darth Vader by Darth Sidious. At that point, he ceases to be Anakin Skywalker. And even though there are the shades of of Anakin underneath all of that, which eventually turns back at the end of Jedi, um, the the justification is that that the that that incarnation in the personage of Hayden Christensen is the last time he was Anakin Skywalker, and that's why you see Anakin, old Obi Wan, and Yoda 
uh, standing there watching over Luke. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, if you if you could go into the afterlife as a force ghost, wouldn't you want to go in as your youngest, best looking self? So do you think it jokes aside, do you think that Disney will remake it again, re-edit the end of it and change it to Ian McGregor as young Obi-Wan? Don't give them ideas. <laughs> but no, because if, if, if the in-canon explanation is that it's the last time the Force Ghost was fully on the light side and fully, quote-unquote, good, uh, then he died. Then Obi-Wan died as, as Alec Guinness yes. at the age of 65 or whatever it was. So he should, be, he should stay exactly as he is. Um, also, I, I, I'm kind of getting the feeling more and more that the, the edits that we saw or that, I mean, obviously all the edits that we, that we got were, were Lucas, was, was Lucasfilm at least doing them. Yeah. You know, Disney hasn't re-released a whole bunch of stuff other than adding, putting it on, out on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, I, Disney has not shown a penchant for going back and, and making tweaks. Um, they, they've retconned a whole bunch of stuff, don't get me wrong, but they've done it around the original movies, which has really been nice. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's an in-universe explanation for why the ghost wasn't at the Battle of Yavin. There's, uh, you know, even though during Rogue One, we hear the ghost's crew getting called over, over, uh, over the PA system. Um, you know, we, we know Harrison Dula survived not only the lead up to the Battle of Yavin, but the Battle of Yavin itself. You know, so, you know, there's and there, there, there's reasons why these new characters that we're seeing come in in between all these all the other previously released stuff aren't weren't in the weren't in yeah, weren't wasn't there. That's why, why they weren't there. We also don't we also know that she survived um, Endor. Yes, kind of. Because uh, don't we see don't we see Jason and and Hera on the ghost after Endor, you know, in the epilogue of Rebels? I, it may be. I've, I haven't watched it in a while. But, but a lot of the retcons that they've done, that Disney has done, have been at the expense of the expanded universe, not previous, not the previous A canon or the, the, the main canon um, stuff. It, it's, so, been, it's been at the expense of the Legends expanded universe. Well, right. Which, they, which yeah, we can argue whether or not that's right. To, to, to the world's end. I think they were wrong for cutting the legends as much as they did, but they did. Right. And so it, it's, it's, it's a blank slate now, or at least a, a mostly blank slate now. Well, they, it left them free to pick and choose the best parts. Mm -hmm. And, and they, then they could leave the, they could leave the, the parts that were not so strong. <clears throat> George's nest, you know, it, they could leave those parts behind, um, and and bring in the things that that were that were strong and that were good, like Grand Admiral Thrawn, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so so I, it's I don't think that they're going to go back again and edit out the Force Ghosts uh, and put Ewan McGregor in. Um, you know, I I know a lot of people didn't like it when they replaced it with Hayden Christensen. I mean, yeah. as as much as you know, as much as people complained about the special editions and all the changes they made for the special editions, you know, when they, when they came out on Blu-ray, that was one of the changes they made for the Blu-rays. Um, you know, the other thing is Di Disney only got permission to do the, uh, to release the Blu-rays because Fox has the distribu distribution rights for New Hope 
for some absurd amount of time, if not in perpetuity. But they had to cut a deal with uh, with Fox. But well, now Disney owns Fox. So, right, so I guess Disney that's, just bought that's, Fox that's, last yeah, year. Yeah, that, that's not an issue anymore. Okay, never mind. You can cut that out, right? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, I'll cut that right out. <laughs> I forgot. I completely forgot about that. But, yeah. uh, but it, I also, I, I felt like it was a cheap thing to do. Like, it was like, all right, what was the necessity? What was the importance behind that? And I, I, I get your symbolism. Yeah, but it's it's justifying a means that was not necessary. But. I digress. It's it's not my product. It's not my say, but I, I, that's that's a good enough answer, I think, as, as we're going to get uh, sure. with that. Um, so going on to our next question. All right. So this one this one's interesting here. All right. In accordance with the Jedi uh, prophecy that Anakin Skywalker was supposed to be uh, to bring balance to the force. He was supposed to be the chosen one. Now, we watch the movies, we see him go to the dark side, uh, and he killed a lot of Jedis. With that in mind, did he not truly bring balance to the force because we were left with essentially Yoda and Obi-Wan as the only two Jedis and Darth Vader and the Emperor as the only two Siths. Wouldn't that count as bringing balance to the Force? Therefore, the Jedi misinterpreted the prophecy in thinking it was going to be in their favor, basically. I mean, that's, the, that's, that's what I've heard the most of. Like, oh yeah, that's, you know, if you really want to look at it, then it's two and two, and, yada, and that's balance of the Force. But... Is it though? I mean, balance doesn't necessarily mean complete and total equality physically. It, it, it's a it, it it it's a spiritual equality at least. That's how I've always seen it for the force because it's because the force is a spiritual thing to a certain extent. And the force has a will. I mean, that, that's yeah. you know, uh, the, the force acts in su in ways that that people don't understand. I mean, you could also make the argument that you know. Yoda and Obi-Wan weren't the only Jedi that survived Order 66, and they weren't they weren't the only Jedi that survived um, uh, the Empire. Mm -hmm. And there were there were dark side force users as well. You know, the Inquisitors and, and the, the, the Night Sisters and some of those others and Jedi who turned rather than be exterminated, Jedi who turned uh, uh, to serve the dark side. Um, you know, I always thought that the the, the prophecy the prophecy was something of just a a, a story driving mechanism mm, that yeah it was, that's kind it, of how i feel too it, because prophecy is one of those things that you can use to justify a lot of things or you know can spur the story on you know whether it's oh there's a prophecy of this and so we're going to wipe out everyone you know like <laughs> again going back to mortal combat you know like we talked about before is yeah. you know there's this prophecy that hanzo hanashi's descendant is gonna is gonna save the earth realm you know, so so then what is what does Shang Tsung do? He tries to wipe out, you know, his entire line and, and all that. So I, I think I always thought the, of the prophecy as being a a plot device more than something literal. And I don't know that they've ever published the full prophecy any anywhere. I don't I don't recall ever seeing it. Now it could be in like some of the third party materials or it could be in the, the Book of the Jedi or the Book of Sith or, or one of those uh, publications. Um 
you know, but I, but Mark's, you know, Mark's exactly right. That that's the common interpretation that you know, yeah, that there are two Jedi left and there are two Sith, and and that's what they mean by balance. But what about all these other Force users that are out there? Um, you know, I I think. Would you say that's a flaw on Lucasfilms originally? Because you know, in at the time they were in charge, they had a lore master. They came up with this and they said, "Hey, it was absolutely cyber. not." I think it was in entirely intentional on Lucasfilm's part. Sorry for interrupting you. Um, <laughs> no, I, th I think it was entirely intentional. It's it as 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 David said it. It's it's a plot device, as with any as with almost every prophecy that we've you know heard in stories. It, it's it's a pro it's a plot device to to get things moving and to explain explain how things are coming. You know why these certain people all come together. Not so much uh, the so not so much sorry. that the the no that's all right the the prophecy is. The, that this was a, unintentional for them to put this as a plot device, but rather that they used it as a plot device, and then as they progressed with stuff, they added more Siths and or the for, Dark Force users and more the see so we're, yeah because we have a lot more Jedi's that survive now, and so it, was it a just like this was a thing that should be retconned. You know, is this something that we kind of ignore? Like a lot of people don't like the midichlorians. Is this something we just pretend didn't exist at this point? Well, I, I don't think you can pretend it didn't exist. But, you know, the, the, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, episodes mm -hmm. one, two and three, mm -hmm. those were written by Lucas yeah. and they mm -hmm. were directed by Lucas. And mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, the way the, the way the LFL Star Wars canon goes is whatever Lucas says becomes gospel even if it contradicts something else that someone else said or even something that he said. So any any time that that George Lucas wrote something it, it they 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 were forced to run with it. And then what happens after the prequel trilogy and then when they start in with these other uh projects whether it's you know uh, Clone Wars or Rebels and and Dave Filoni and other people when you start adding more spoons to the pot you know, sometimes they can they go off into directions that, you know, are completely new. And sometimes they go back to some of these older notions. Um, so like Mark says, it, nothing is accidental, um, but it just could be some of those things that something that, you know, in 1997 or whenever it is that they start shooting um, Phantom Menace, that they didn't foresee this going on 25 years later and then having to fill in blanks. I mean, yeah, if, if I remember correctly, the original Thrawn trilogy came out in the early 90s, I think, right? 92. Yeah. Yes. So, and that was the start of the old EU. And that yes. was like, I mean, that was, that's what really launched all the, I mean, yeah, you can, you can say, you can mention um, the Ewok movies and all of that stuff, but that's what really started the, the book EU and, and, and then yes. kind of restarted the comics EU. So yeah, it, it's entirely possible that yeah, Luke Stone just didn't think that it would go much further than the new movies yeah. and maybe some books. Okay. Um, so one last question: Who invented the lightsaber first? Was it the light side or the dark side? I mean, do you want? Or no. do you want? Do you want canon lore, or do you want? So, so this question was brought up to me because uh, a, a, fr a good friend of mine uh, brought it up, and he said the dark side invented the lightsaber first, that they came up with a proto-saber. 
but he wanted to verify that because he would always been told that the Jedi created the lightsaber first. So I figured I'd ask my gurus on this one. And uh, I'll give you a time to, th <laughs> to, to ponder this for a second. Because uh, I know this is this is one of those things that it sit there and you go, huh, well, what do you count technically? Does a proto-saber technically count? I mean, it's a penny farthing a bicycle. Thank you for all oh, you froze for a second. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I mean, that's that's like asking is a penny farthing a bicycle. Penny farthing is the is that but giant bicycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I got. I know. I'm, I'm like. I'm like. Well, it, my argument to him was, it does a, a a dagger count as the the prelude to a sword. They have some of the same things, but is it? That's a matter of size. I mean, I, yeah, but you know, so so does an obsidian sword count as a sword, or you know, any more than a steel sword does? Now, so I know that the original or one of the original devices utilized by the Jedi was the vibroblade, mm -hmm. right? If I'm correct, and the Sith Lords created the proto saber, which you it. it took from them the dark force. And if a Jedi were to use this proto-saber, it could kill them or entrap them into the dark side. Thus is why the Jedi utilized the kyber crystals in a way and utilized the lightsaber that they utilize today because it can be, it doesn't pull from them and it doesn't, you know, turn them to the dark side or kill them. So, did the Jedi originally create or were the first ones to use lightsabers or would it be considered the uh, Sith Lords? <laughs> Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, you know. You're talking about, at least in the Star Wars lore, you're talking about weapons that go back, you know, tens of thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know that it really matters who, who came up with it or invented it. I mean, the... Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting. I always find that the the technology of Star Wars to be very interesting because I think the the histories of go back what twenty five thousand years before Battle of Yavin. Mark, is that does that sound I, right? I may, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, because we've got stuff about the about the Maasai and and all that stuff that on Yavin four. So yeah. So so what you have is you have a a culture in this galaxy where technology has basically remained stagnant for thousands of years, which as we know, just doesn't happen because if you, if you, if you play any, if you read any of the old comics that take place back in the Knights of the Old Republic era, or even before that, I mean, they, they still have hyperspace. They still have blasters. They still have, you know, they have lightsabers at that point. They have vibro weapons. They have, you know, repulsor lift and all this other stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, whereas if you go back on our planet, 25,000 years, I mean, you, you, I don't even think that we're into the Bronze Age at that point. Um, yeah. You know, no. and then and then we, we, we go from in, you know, the Wright brothers and then within, you know, within 70 years, we're on the moon. I mean, so mm -hmm. so the, realistically, I mean, this is uh, just the way the technology has. I don't want to say stagnated, but the way they've written the technology in this galaxy um, 
to be fairly constant over this entire period. Now, to go back to the original question, who originated lightsaber? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you could read all sorts of, of explanations on on Wikipedia or some of the other uh, wiki sources out there. But uh, is this one of those? Sorry, not to cut you off. Is this one of those questions we would consider basically like is Boba Fett a Mandalorian or not kind of question? Just a a heated debate kind of question. I mean, I I would say that yeah, kind of this it, it it both yeah, both of them are very much semantic debates, you know. Is is Boba Fett a Mandalorian? I I personally would say yes. But what it really gets down to is there's contradictions in even within Lucasfilm's history. Or within the official canon history of whether or not Django is a Mandalorian, and does and so is Boba Mandalorian by birth? You know, do you have to really uphold the tenets of Man, of the four tenets of the Mandalorian, you know, culture to 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 be considered a Mandalorian? Or or you know, does it matter that he doesn't really speak the language? Does it matter that he's his armor may not actually be Beskar? You know, it's it, you know it's it, it, the Star Wars philosophical questions that we ask. Exactly. <laughs> well, I I think that's as as good of an answer we we could possibly get on that. And I I commend you, gentlemen. Thank you very much for attempting to answer with the best of your knowledge these questions. Which even then, I still think at least somebody out there is gonna be like, nope, you guys are wrong. You guys are totally wrong. Which is whatever, because that is Star Wars in a nutshell. The most like angry what? but loving dedicated fans there is and there's a source there's, there's a source that says there are five different sources that say five different things yeah. you know for a lot of stuff that goes on in star wars and some of those as mark talked about have have been retconned and some have been overwritten and some have been revised and some are you know have been discarded and some are you know a, a comic book from you know 19 you know 1984 or whenever when marvel still had the license that you know they that you can whip out you know the the, the giant jackson the the talking walking rabbit I mean, <laughs> you know, that's that's technically a canon character. They haven't they haven't erased that, but you know. I'm I'm sorry. Say that again. There was a giant talking rabbit. Yes. I didn't know about this. Yes. Oh dear lord. He was he was in the Marvel comics um, uh, in the 80s. <laughs> hey. let, me, that's... let me make sure I got the name right. Uh, Jackson, J A X X O N. All right, I gotta. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Yeah. I want to see this guy, J A X X O N. <laughs> Star Wars rabbit. Star Wars rabbit. Oh my God! All right. So while I'm looking this up, uh, that's literally the only questions I had for you guys. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Um, I'm going to have to post a picture up of this guy. Uh, on the, the the Facebook, because holy cow, that is, oh my god, that is that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I've seen this guy before. Uh, oh my gosh, it, he looks like a Friday at Freddy, He looks like a Friday at Freddy's character. You know, no, you know what he looks like. He reminds me of. He reminds me of that definitely '80s style. Like, remember when like they did Howard the Duck movie and yeah. everything, mm -hmm. and like those yes. creepy, yeah, like that style right there. The, oh my gosh. That's that's funny on so many levels. Um, so, <laughs> but going back to what I was trying to say, uh, let's go into those those Star Wars memories for you, gentlemen. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll start with you, David. Um, what was that moment that got you that you said, you know what, 
I'm into Star Wars now. This is this is going to be my thing. I love it. Well, I I am I'm older than both of you because both of you are children. Um, <laughs> I, I I am old enough uh, that I have seen all of the Star Wars movies in the theater in their first run. So I remember. I don't. I vaguely remember. I don't remember actually seeing Star Wars itself. But I remember my father took me and the neighbor and the neighbor's kid, my best my best friend at the time, you know, when we were four or five years old, and we went to see Star Wars at a drive-in theater outside of Tallahassee, Florida. And um, that was the first time I, I, I saw Star That's the first time I'd ever been to a drive-in theater, and that was, you know, the first time I saw Star Wars. And after that, because, you know, we didn't have Netflix and we didn't have Blockbuster or anything like that, you had to wait once a year. We didn't even have VHS in 1978. So you had to watch wait once a year, and it was on TV. But after we, my dad took us to see Star Wars for Christmas that year, he bought me uh, an X-Wing. He brought, bought me a Darth Vader model. And I remember playing Star Wars with my dad. You know, my, my dad got me into a lot of other science fiction type things. He, we, we'd watch reruns of Star Trek when it was on. We watched uh, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. We watched um, uh, oh, Battlestar Galactica, the first Battlestar Galactica. So my dad got me into a lot of this. And so... I remember, I remember Star Wars always being present in my life, you know, and buying Star Wars figures at the at the store and all that other stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we we saw all the movies. Um, and then, just as I got older, I got into more science fiction and fantasy and that sort of thing. But Star Wars was always present. And once we got a VCR in the mid '80s, um, you know, and you could you could videotape stuff or you could go rent Star Wars. You know, it it was seemed to be present. Uh, in my life for a long time. And then, you know, I went to college and when I was in college, the special editions came out. And then after I got married, uh, uh, Star Wars, uh, Phantom Menace was released and I took my, st my stepson to see that. Um, and again, Star I, Wars being present in, in our lives. Um, and actually, I thought, I, I'm I not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Sorry not to cut you off. I legitimately, you said I got married and Phantom Menace came out. You were gonna say I went and spent my honeymoon at the theater to go see Phantom Menace. I, no, but, I, no, but, I really. But, but we did. We did go to. We went to Vegas for our honeymoon. But we, um, you know, we we went to I, my wife and my stepson uh, at the time. My youngest stepson, he was six. Um, you know, we went to the midnight show, and it was it was a big production. It was you know just just something fun to do. And actually, I, and when Revenge of the Sith came out, um. I won. I, I wrote an essay for a website, and I won a. I, I won a prize. The, the The title of the essay was "What Star Wars Means to Me," and to me, the the theme of Star Wars was always fathers and sons. You know, it's about it's about uh, uh, Darth Vader or Anakin and Luke, and it's about Obi Wan being Anakin's father figure, and it's about me and my dad, and it's about me and my dad bonding over Star Wars, and then me and my stepson, and and so on, and then. You know, but but those are my core Star Wars memories. It's it's always been present in my life, um, and the the genius of Star Wars, I think, is that it reinvents itself every few years, or it comes along every few years with a new version. So that, you know, there are people my age who scream that the prequels are awful, and then prequel people scream that you know that the 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 sequel trilogy is awful. And it, but but the kids who grew up. The Phantom Menace and the, the prequel trilogy is my stepson's Star Wars. That is his Star Wars. And kids growing up today, Rebels was their Star Wars. You know, and so 
I, that's why I just love it. And, and it keeps folks, a lot of folks, you know, my age and older dressing up like this and, 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 you know, doing, doing, start having Star Wars in our lives all the time. But for, for me, the, it's, it's growing up with Star Wars uh, present in my life. Um, uh, you know, watching the, the, the Muppet show, you know, staying up and watching Luke Skywalker and C-3PO and R2-D2 on the Muppet show. Uh, I, I also saw, I, I'm told, I saw the Hollywood, the, the uh, holiday special, the one time it was ever aired. Um, oh, that's bad. I so watched like the... it. It's bad. Oh, that's bad. Oh, but, but you have to, you know, I, I don't know. You have to enjoy it. Um, like I said, Star Wars has always been present in my life, and, and I can see it being present in my life and for the rest of it. That's awesome. That's, you know, that's, that's really nice right there. Uh, Mark, what about you, man? Uh, I can honestly say it, my, my answer is, is similar to David's, although probably about oh, 20 years in the future or 20 years past his. Uh, I, I distinctly remember watch. I distinctly re my first distinct memory of Star Wars is watching the Han being frozen in carbonite scene in my parents' basement at the age of I don't know. But it was also I also distinctly remember it not being the first time that I'd seen Star Wars. Okay. Uh, my dad is, is very into those late 70s, early 80s movies, you know, Indiana Jones, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, his favorite movie is Casablanca, which is granted well before the 70s, but still. Um, somehow it still fits in, in like in my head. It's maybe it's just my dad's genre is it, 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 it all fits together. But uh star wars, but so indiana jones star wars was, is stuff that that he got me into uh as a casual as a casual fan you know he, he's never been as into it as i have as i am now um however uh i i do remember seeing it i do remember him taking me very excitedly to see episode one when it came out in 99 and but what really got me into star wars was when i found a book in my school library called Jedi Apprentice The Hidden Past and the Jedi Apprentice series was about 10 or 12 books about when Obi-Wan Kenobi was and was like 13, 14, 15 young Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, Qui-Gon Jinn all of the and, you know and it was very much a tie-in book series and it just kind of and they dropped little all the other little Jedi in there and everything it was very interesting, and, and I tore through those books as, yeah. as many as I could find, uh, and that started in I think seventh grade for me. And from seventh grade until I had graduated high school, the only books that I read for pleasure were Star Wars books. That's awesome. That is uh, so I I just consumed the expanded universe. Um, never really got into the comics or anything, but I, I read as much Star Wars as many of the Star Wars books as I could find. Uh, and then when I got to college, it, it became a little bit more difficult because they kind of slowed down with the publishing and everything, and, and I had other stuff I had to do. Yeah. Uh, and then the, then the, the Legends acts came and, and cut off everything. And I'm still I still read a lot of Star Wars books, but uh, I, I, I've peppered it in with a few other things. Uh, but that that's that's how I, I got into Star Wars was very much that that first book it, it hooked me, and then I I, I, I dove deep. Um, and my dad, my dad and I still enjoy Star Wars together. You know, he, he, that was before, was that before or after episode two came out? 
I don't remember. Uh, but we, we definitely got, we definitely went and saw episode two and three in the theaters together. Uh, the only reason he didn't see episodes seven, eight, and nine with me in the theaters is because I went to midnight, midnight releases with the Mandalorian works. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I wasn't going to drag him out to that. I definitely invited him to the first one. I, I know I invited him to come with us for the first, for episode seven. Uh, and he, he decided that that was just a little bit too late. Uh <laughs> I like Sorry. how your story – no, no, that's great. I So I like how you start off with your stories being similar, like it's a father-son experience. However, you guys had very different immersions into it. Uh, you know, David, you, yours was the movies, whereas Mark, yours was the books. You mm-hmm. delved in through the lore, and that's really, really neat. Uh, oh, I, I very quickly picked up the movies oh, again I had and, like, no watched them. It. Yeah. But, but yeah. It's it's how you like it how you got hooked mm-hmm. is very different. Right. Well, uh, and I'll also say if if I had if I had grown up later, th- there were there were no there were tie-in books, mm. at, at, at but that and that was it with the original trilogy. I take that there were Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was kind mm. of released very quietly after uh, it was released after Star Wars, and it was in case they never got to make Empire. Mm-hmm. And that's it, it. It's loosely tied. It was written by Alan Dean Foster. Um, but if if I had Mark, how old were you at when you started reading the start? Was that elementary school or middle no, school? So seventh grade was oh god, seventh grade, seventh sixth. It was either sixth or seventh grade. So I would have been let's say twelve, just for a good average. And, and when 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 was that for you? So twelve for me would have been two thousand three. Okay, when I was when I was twelve, it was nineteen eighty five. Right. Uh, right. So, but but I and at that time I was also reading. I wasn't reading Star Wars again because they did they only had the tie in novels and that was it. But I was reading Dragonlance and I was reading Heinlein and I was reading Asimov and I was reading uh, the the science fiction and fantasy that was available at that time. Um, and then and like Mark like we were talking about earlier in 1991, 1992, that's when Heir to the Empire comes out. And along with that was uh, Dark Empire. Dark uh, Dark Horse Comics got the Dark Empire license, or got the Star Wars license, and they they came out with Dark Empire. And so Dark Empire kind of reboots the comics, where Marvel had the license through the 80s, and then the Heir to the Empire, um, Dark Force Rising, and uh, Last Command, the Thrawn trilogy. That's what really reboots Star Wars. That's what brings a lot of people into Star Wars beyond the movies because, you know, there, there's no content after 1983. Jedi comes out in 1983, and then there's this drought for several years when there really is no no content that that's new. Um, and, and after that, after, uh, after Heir to the Empire comes out, then they, the Power of the Force toys start coming out. And that's there's a, there's new batches of toys that have better articulation and better molds than the than the old vintage toys toys that I grew up with and used to melt with magnifying glasses or blow up with firecrackers <laughs> and all the stuff that we used to do to abuse toys in the in the 80s. Um, and that leads into the special editions and the special editions lead into the the prequel trilogy. And so that's that's kind of how Star Wars goes. But if I had grown up in the nineties, I, I would have been consumed. And, and I did, I, I read all the star Wars books as they, excuse me, as they came out. Uh, but, but again, for me growing up in the eighties, uh, uh, what I was reading, I was reading, I was reading comic books and I was reading, uh, uh, again, other science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. 
respect that. Um, so my first Star Wars memory, or my my my, I see. Here's the thing, I I had the polar opposite, uh, getting into Star Wars, as you guys did. Whereas it was a you were the son bonding with your fathers. It actually, in in, in all honesty, I really didn't. I, I like I knew of it. I enjoyed it. I didn't get more hardcore until my son okay. was started getting into it. When he started really getting passionate about it, I became more passionate about it, and it overcame me, and I really got dug into it a lot more. However, one of my fondest memories is, though, you know, when the, my first like major Star Wars memory was actually seeing uh, Episode Six. So in in Java or Java's like whole place his with his slaves and the rancor that because I was really into dinosaurs I was hardcore dinosaur kid and I remember that scene with Luke dropping down into the pit and there's that rancor coming at him and there was nothing nothing had been in the Star Wars movies like that beast I mean yes you had them inside the worm and the asteroid but you never really saw something monstrous like that. And I was like, whoa, what is right. that thing? I'm like, that is cool. And my Mandalorian helmet is based off of the Rancor because that is my first and my most cherishable Star Wars memory right there. But, um, and, I, and I promised her I would tell this story because it is, honestly, it's a, shut up. It is my fondest. You hear that? Jacqueline, it's my fondest memory. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's a very romantic memory for me. Whereas, <laughs> which one came out? Uh, episode two came out when you got married. Um. Well, I got married in '98, so that was oh, okay. right. It was the year before uh, *Phantom Menace*. Okay. Also, episode um, one. What? Um. So my son was very much into Star Wars, uh, and. I, you know, I was in getting engaged to my, my wife, Jacqueline, at the time. I was going to propose to her on this day. And she always told me never to propose to her on a holiday. The first thing any woman tells you not to do something, you're going to say, you're not my boss. So, and I wasn't married to her yet. So she technically it's a, wasn't my boss anymore yet. And so I said, well, screw this. I'm, I'm proposing her on May the 4th. So I had originally planned all this stuff, and uh, Mark, you live up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, you know the dunes. Well, I was going to propose to her up mm -hmm. at, on the dunes. The dunes had a sandstorm. The wind was blowing so hard off the lake, you weren't allowed in the park. So I had to go to a plan B. Well, I was going to propose to her at an art gala on my university where I was going to college, and I was going to have some friends play some instruments, and it was going to be really beautiful, and... They all had to get ready for uh, exams, so they couldn't do it for me all of a sudden. They're like, hey, we, we can't do this now. So I went to Plan C, which was me running to like a hobby shop, grabbing some markers and a big uh, piece of board. And we still have it. We still have it. And uh, I wrote some stuff on it, and I got grabbed a couple lightsabers, and I grabbed my son, and he was really into Kylo Ren. All right, so this is how – he was probably about four or five at the time, um, or he was five. And so we went to the, the university. I had her meet us there. And so I had a friend watching my son and 
we were walking around. She's like, what are we doing here? I was like, oh, I just wanted to show you my college and everything. And we came around the corner, and there's my son, all Kylo Ren up in his costume, uh, holding a lightsaber. And I look to her, and I pull out a lightsaber out of my jacket, and I said, here, quick, defend me. And she goes and fights my son, our son, with uh, a lightsabers. And so they're battling, running around the college campus. People are looking at us, laughing and everything, like, what's going on? And then so he, she knocks the lightsaber out of his hands, which he was, was supposed to happen. He runs over to my friend, grabs the sign, and holds it up. And it says, together we can rule the galaxy as mother and son. Will you marry my dad? Or will you be my mom? And so she looks at it and sees it and then turns around and I'm there holding the ring, proposing to her. So I'm on the ground. And it was it was a really cute That's last awesome. minute. Yeah, it was a fun memory. And it's something we'll never forget. And I get to always say, I proposed to my wife on May the 4th. I really, really, really tried hard to get our wedding on May the 4th, but it just wasn't in the books. <laughs> so such is life. But it is that is that is my most enjoyable and cherishable memory. That's awesome. But the next one would be my son getting on one knee and declaring his loyalty to Kylo Ren at Disney World. (laughs) He saw him and got down on a knee and said, I I want to be your apprentice. (laughs) And I I, I commend the guy who who was dressed up as him because he was just like giggling and getting, he was like, yes, yes. So, but that's awesome. Yeah. Those are, so those are my fond memories right there. And, uh, I, I really had a good time with those. Uh, speaking of all the movies and everything, of all the movies, of all the shows, if you had could pick one scene from the movies or, or from all the, everything, what would be your favorite moment? I'll give you a second to think about this because you know I I, I think that's a, a one you got to ponder there for a second, like. I will definitely say, and I'll say my the Rancor scene is bar none my favorite moment. And if either of you say Jar Jar Binks, any moment with him, you're <laughs> automatically banned from the show. I'll never ask you to come back on. <laughs> so there's a scene in the books where Jar Jar no, <laughs> Or that scene where the, the only scene you're allowed to talk about is where Jar Jar Binks got his hand stuck into the pod racer. and was <laughs> That was funny. And I'm like, all right, come on. Just, just, it's, it's almost over. Come on, buddy. Let's just end this. Now, I'll say this. When I was a kid, I thought he was freaking hilarious, and I could understand the hate and discontent. But as I grew up as an adult, I'm like, God, he is annoying. And I mean, he's well, a character. He is. He, he serves a function in he, the in the story, and he serves a function in the movie. He, he is the comic relief character. I mean, and... And anybody who says that, you know, Star Wars never had cutesy, you know, you haven't watched Star Wars. I mean, there's always been that element. There's always oh, yeah, been kind of that slapstick. C-3PO was yes. in C-3PO and the, and the Ewoks were kind of that that relief. Well, I, I, I also am of the belief that the Ewoks would have been a whole lot less teddy bearish if they'd had the level of CGI and technology that they mm-hmm. have now. That some of that was just they had to put. 80 people in, in fursuits. Because <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, all right. So what would be your, your, your one memory? Because and we kind of got to get quick. So we, cause we do have to wrap up in, in just a little bit, but what would be your one moment? My favorite scene is in rogue one. 
and part of it's the nostalgia. My favorite scene in, is in is in Rogue One, when uh, the Rebel fleet arrives at Scarif, and the so all the 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 fleet shows up, and you know the squadron leaders are checking in, blue leader standing by, and then you see where they've used archival footage and they've gotten the guys' voices recorded again. Red leader, this is red leader standing by. This is gold leader standing by. And to me. Having watched that again, because by the time Rogue One comes out, I'm now, you know, mm. 40 years old. To me, that took me back. That took me back to being five years old and wanting to dress up as an X-wing <laughs> pilot, which you're doing right now. Which the, I'm the, doing the right now. See. And 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 so for me, that was that was something that immediately made Rogue One a Star Wars movie, and it 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 brought. All of the the new Disney uh, products to me, it just brought all of that back to that feeling that you have when you're when you're five years old and you know you don't have a costume, but you but everything around you, you with your imagination, you can make into that costume, mm -hmm. and and uh, and I, to me that is just the that was the minute that I thought, wow, this this is this is coming full circle for me. Very cool. I like that, Mark. I don't know. God, that's a really difficult question. Um, it's such a simple question, but it is. It's a, a it's difficult a answer to find. Yes. Uh, I. So when you think Star Wars, what moment pops in your mind first? Oh God, I don't know. It, 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 it's it's I, I it's it's a deluge. It's it's kind of just all of it together. Uh, you know and. And it's complicated, you know, by by the fact that I, I've joined the Mercs, the 501st, the Rebel Legion, all of that stuff. You know, when somebody says Star Wars, it's it's it depends who's saying it. It depends what I've been thinking about recently. You know, it, it's all of that. Okay. Um, but I, for me, for me, I think the the what really gets me, what gets my heart pumping, what gets me up out of my chair, you know, excited, is is the explosion of the first death star and, and, and the, and like the minute or two leading up to it. Okay. Because, you know, and it's Han coming in. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's mildly cliche, but that, 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 that climactic Han coming in, blasting the two tight fighters out of the way saying, you know, get this thing. It was, um, let's blow this thing kid and getting out of there. And then, and just the, the flying away. And then that, <clears throat> with the ring and, and all of it is, is just great. I can get behind uh, that. It's the cliche. You're right. It is. It's a little cheats. It's a little cliche, but it's that it is nostalgic. Yeah, it is. And that's, that's part of the fun of it. So I can definitely see that. I was actually surprised that you weren't going to say like, when you're like, get my heart pumping is like when the credits start, when you see star Wars and the music pumps and everything, I legitimately thought you were going to go there. And I was like, all right, I, you know what? That, that is, Star for the new movies, that's absolutely one of the most, you know, especially episode seven, that, that moment of, oh, my God, it's back. <laughs> yes. But you don't get that heart pump. You don't get that. You really don't get that excitement without everything, with, without the, the, the scene of the Death Star. And I think that's what I think that's what the other reason is, is that scene is, is the culmination of the last hour and 40 minutes. A movie, and that movie cemented a now forty-plus year legacy, fifty-plus year legacy now, almost I know, a forty-four year legacy at this point. Yeah, um, a good you know, and that, that's 
that's not going to slow down. So, and it was that one movie that did it. So, yes, the, the credits are great, and and sitting down, <laughs> sitting down to watch any of them with with the with the scroll is awesome. Yeah. I, I think um, I, I definitely I, get behind I think that. Our moment, just yeah. Well, there's so many moments. I honestly, the more I think about it, and I can definitely understand the difficulty with the question is like just taking episode four itself. It's almost completely just this perfection there's so many great moments so many lines you know how many people <laughs> like that's no moon or you know it's just it's it's there there are there are way too many moments in it and oh no wait uh, i want to change my mind <laughs> what's yours now the boba fett reintroduction fight sequence from the mandalorian this past season that was pretty good that was that was Really good. <laughs> You're like, he's back, he's back, he's yeah. back. Uh, I did clap at a moment, and I can't remember. It was when I was watching Star Wars. It was definitely during The Mandalorian. I got up and I clapped. And I think it was almost, it, it wasn't that scene itself. It was actually when we got to see, even though the CGI was like, for his face, wasn't the greatest, it was knowing Luke afterwards and did, seeing everything that was going on and how it wrapped up. I just cl got up and clapped and was like, you know what? That was, that was very well done. And of course my wife looks at me weird and everything like, what are you doing? Why are you clapping? <laughs> it's like, you don't understand. Um, but the one moment you were talking about where you hear all the voices and everything, like all, all the recordings from gold leader and blue leader and all that, it made me pop in my head the moment in uh, episode nine with uh, Ren and where she is fighting everything and she hears all of the uh, old Jedi and they had everybody in and from rebels and clone wars. And they just, that was a very powerful moment too. And that was another one. I was like, Ooh, that's a really good moment, mm -hmm. but um, I'm excited to see where Disney takes star Wars. Oh, sorry. Did you have one more thing? No, I my camera's frozen on my end, and I was just trying to figure out. <laughs> so you're raising your hand, uh, but I am I am very excited to see where Disney takes Star Wars. I feel like Star Wars is in good hands. Disney has been very respectful, I think, as much as they possibly can, to and doing a lot of courtesy to the fans, while also in, in embracing the lore and progressing the lore in various ways, whether it's going back to the Knights of the Old Republic, looking at the Bad Batch, which came out today, or looking at, you know, what's going down the road from movies-wise. Um, I'm enjoying the ride, very happy with it, and I'm very excited to see where they go with it. Um, any final thoughts from you, gentlemen? I mean, yeah, I think you said it well. You know, Disney's, Disney has done a good job, and I think I think they learned it from their experience with Marvel and, and basically they'll, they'll buy the property. They'll put the right people in place mm -hmm. and, and just go and just kind of the higher ups from Disney will go hands off with it. Uh, now there's definitely a discussion to be had about whether or not Kathleen Kennedy and, and, and some of the people who took it on in the beginning of the Disney um, of the Disney ownership were the right people. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. Uh, but I, I think the, the stuff they've put out recently and, and, and even the even the even seven eight nine have their moments. 
uh, and, and but yes, they're, they're they are definitely doing it well. I think they're definitely doing some like the fan service while also, you know, you mm-hmm. can't I've always been a believer that you can't give 100 percent into fan service because then you use quality and integrity in a product of what it is. But if you can at least give those slight nods and, mm-hmm. you know, then, hey, props to you. Um, you know, it's I think they're doing a good job. Uh, fan service, if, you, if you give in completely to fan service, hey, you can never give in completely to fan service because there's so many different factions of fans. Especially in Star Wars. <laughs> and B, it just becomes extremely campy. Yeah. Right. Well, like Mark said, Disney, Disney and Star Wars have always had a, a good relationship. Disney and, and Lucas and Lucasfilm have always had a good relationship. Going back to you know when they introduced Star Tours mm-hmm. at the old MGM Hollywood Studios, um, you know, and and Disney has always been very. I think respectful towards the franchise. I think they've always been good stewards of intellectual property. You know, and when they took over over Star Wars, I think a lot of us as fans, we knew they were going to make changes because they had to. I mean, and and uh, there is there is a toxic faction of Star Wars fan that is out there that, you know, that they have a they have a canon built up or they have a story written in their head and they wanted to see the expanded universe put on screen. Well, you knew Disney wasn't going to put the expanded universe on screen. That, that was a non-starter. But what they, with the product that they have generated and the, the product that they are continuing to make, and not just movies, and also not just, you know, the, the print media, but Disney Plus, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that they've put on Disney Plus or are bringing to Disney Plus and the people that they have brought in, it, you know, whether it's Kathleen Kennedy or Dave Filoni or or any of the people that are that are coming on with these projects, um, I, I think the future of Star Wars is bright. I, you know, I, I I always have thought it was um, because, like I said, there there is there's a certain reinvention they do every every few years, and the sole goal is to bring people in, and it's to bring in it's it was it was to bring my father in and myself in the seventies and then, you know, kids later, um, through the, again, through the nineties and our, our kid, my generation's kids, you know, they would have come of age during the prequel trilogy. And so that they are continuing to be, I think, be good stewards. Mm-hmm. Do they make missteps? Sure. Sometimes, but at the same time, I think the overall package, uh, is, is, is good and it's trending up. Um, you know, because now they have they have this new technology in the volume where they can make they can make uh, uh, TV shows and they can make movies uh, in a different way. So they have mm-hmm. these new technologies that that look seamless instead of just being kind of those green screen monstrosities of the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, um, you know, but I I'm, I'm in the bag for anything Star Wars, and I mm-hmm. I, I, Mark, I think Mark is too. Yeah. And if if something happens that if something comes out and I don't particularly care for it, I'm not going to complain about it. I'll just, you know, I'll go on to the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a lot of our fandom does that as well. I think that's a, it's a good way to look at it. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show tonight or today, rather. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know times anymore. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> kids will do that to you. It's, uh, it's nighttime somewhere. It is. Uh, thank you again so much. It's always a pleasure to have you guys on the show, and I constantly, constantly want you back on. I don't have to ask David to be on the show anymore. I just 
message and say, hey, we're on in five minutes. He goes, all right, cool, I'm on. <laughs> but Mark, you're always more than welcome to come back on anytime. I'm always more than happy to come back on. That's great. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, as always, please like, subscribe, and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening to us on Audible or Apple, please remember to rate and review. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so please like and follow us at DNA Pod and on Twitter at NerdDNAPod, Twitch NerdDNAPodcast. And if you do leave a review, we will be randomly selecting reviewers and be giving them uh, some free little goodies. So always encourage a, a compliment or some constructive criticism. Uh, but on that note, thank you gentlemen again. This has been the DNA Podcast, and happy May 4th. Have a good one.